You're listening to The Drums TV Talks. I'm Hannah Bowler. And I'm John McCarthy. In this series, we're going to explore all the new ways that brands can advertise on TV. From the classic ad break to the weirdest branded partnerships you could possibly imagine. We'll be speaking to the top TV exec, media owners and ad tech firms helping to bring about the future of TV. Thanks for listening. Hello, John McCarthy. How are you doing? Another week, another podcast. More media, more ads. The cycle continues. We grind on, we grow, but we also decay as beings. And we hope to pass on the torch to the next generation. But slightly smaller scale, uh, I'm doing well. Um, We're here today to talk about Samsung ads, Samsung TVs. Samsung, Samsung, Samsung. Be more concise, Hannah. What are we doing? Today, um, we've got an interview with Monet from Samsung Ads. She's Director of Product Marketing. And we had a really interesting chat all about discoverability on CTV. And I think it's a really important issue for advertisers to actually kind of understand because, to be honest, when you can't find content, you don't watch TV. And if you don't watch TV, you don't watch the ads. And so actually, it's like a bigger issue than probably we've really even got our teeth stuck into, I'd I'd admit, to be honest. Um, So it was really great to talk to Monet. And she was kind of talking about how maybe it's the job of the smart TVs to kind of step in and solve some of this issue on behalf of their advertisers. Um, I don't know about you, but I actually, this is a problem for me all the time. I constantly turn off the TV because I'm like, I just can't be bothered. There's too much. I'm too overwhelmed. It goes off and I'll find something else to do. I don't know if you have this as an issue or do you just watch whatever? Oh, I'm I'm very specific, Hannah. I'm very specific in what I want and what I need. But every time I open up the menu on my smart TV, which may or may not be a Samsung, I feel paralyzed by choice, confused, lost, alone. There are too many things and I can't navigate it. And Hannah, I write about TV discoverability for a job. There's a huge issue here. A huge, huge, huge issue. Yeah, and I think as well with all the ad-funded streamers that are kind of coming in, it's not even like finding your show within that platform you've chosen to watch your show in. It's like, what on earth platform am I even going to go to in the first place when you're looking at all your apps? That's like an issue in itself. So I think it's just only going to get worse because there's just more and more little little mini apps like that are not making huge splashes but are kind of still part of your TV viewing as a viewer. Imagine being 70 years old and watching TV back when there were, let's say, two or three channels. Then all of a sudden you turn on your new smart TV and it puts you onto a menu and you have your choice of an app store, a bunch of built-in apps, and then you click onto the Samsung TV app and then you've got, I think it goes up to 900-odd channels. They're probably not all taken. Amongst those channels, which are all on demand and the cycle, and, you know, everyone's everything's there now, eh? YouTube channel called Fail Army. I'm surprised to see that on there. It's been there for a few years now. It's just a YouTube channel that keeps rolling and rolling. Um, I spent an embarrassing amount of time in there. But the point is, like, we still haven't cracked discoverability. We're bringing it back around to the topic. And Samsung Ads suspects that ads may actually help you find your way. Especially if they know what you like, they'll be able to show you more of that. Uh, and wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, so we'll we'll leave it to Monet to to digest and explain. Absolutely. 
just to get a bit of scale, like how, how many devices are you kind of on and, and how, how big is your ecosystem, I guess? Yeah, um, well, at Samsung, we're really proud to be the number one TV manufacturer globally. And we've held this title for the past 16 consecutive years. In Europe specifically, where we have strongest market share across all TV brands, um, our market share in the UK is 30%. In Italy, it's 42%. Um, and then across EU5 markets, generally, uh, in EU5 markets, we're talking about UK, Germany, France, Italy, and Spain. Our market share is about 34%. In terms of like the, the numbers across Europe, so across all of our um, Europe markets, we have about 50 million devices, active smart TVs. We also have our own ad-supported streaming service called Samsung TV Plus. So that's available on all Samsung TV models from 2016 onwards. And that's our platform where we offer free content. And that is also available. Uh, across Europe in 16 countries, including those EU5 countries I just mentioned. Yeah, I, I find the, the kind of push into having your own streaming platform such an interesting element of the kind of mm. Samsung ads kind of ecosystem then, I guess. Yeah, like, I'm just intrigued at kind of how that strategy works. And, and so as I understand it, it kind of, it kind of conjoins other company channels, but also do you have any original content or, or doing anything in that space? Yeah, we do actually. And there's a big investment in our original um, channels where we're able to curate the content ourselves and go out there and actively acquire content that makes sense for our platform. Um, so there's definitely more of an investment there. Um, we've got original channels in the UK, for instance. We have channels such as American Idol, which we're really proud. Um, this year, we have exclusive uh, content from American Idol from this season. So that played directly after it was aired in the US. We currently have America's America's top talent as well. Um, so we're spending a lot of time and um, uh, resources really investing in building out our uh, owned and operated channel strategy as well as working with uh, partners within the industry. Yeah, how important do you think it is for kind of like a, to kind of come really like Samsung to kind of push into its content, I guess, like crossing mm -hmm. that boundary between, you know, a manufacturer and and then starting to kind of have content and, and those two worlds kind of colliding, I guess. Because mm. you, you're kind of seeing, you've seen it with like Roku, it was also similar with the, their essentially a hardware that now mm. is pushed into original. It's an interesting kind of intersection, I guess. Yeah, and sorry, just to clarify too, we're not yet investing in original content ourselves, but more just the channels where we curate the content. But definitely with regards to that, I think more and more so having that ownership of the content is becoming really important. And I think if we look across a lot of the players in the market, it does give them that, um, I guess, unique offering that makes it somewhat different to other players that that, that are operating. So I, I do see that, you know, more and more so a lot of players in the market will move towards that direction, assuming they're able to really invest in that because, you know, producing your own content is really different to acquiring that content. So to your point, it does take a different shift and a different focus, both in terms of company resource, but also just um, skill set. Yeah, it, I don't know. It does feel like the manufacturers are kind of taking a bigger hold on, mm. on the kind of dynamics in the ecosystem. And I wondered what if you've got any view on kind of how how and why the manufacturers have been made to gain such a foothold that maybe yeah. didn't before, just, just on that balance. 
Well, I think there's a few things. If I look at Samsung ads, uh, at Samsung specifically, having you know that strong footprint, having our own ad-supported service, um, being the manufacturer, and also owning our own TV operating system, that really gives us this end-to-end visibility into what's happening on that screen, really at that glass level. So, it I think in a world where there's more fragmentation, where agencies and advertisers are finding it really hard to understand and reconcile what's happening across all these different channels, um, the manufacturer is really able to provide that holistic view. So I do think that that's kind of the the shift that we're seeing at the moment in terms of the, the value that manufacturers are able to provide. You know, for us, like having that, not only having that footprint, but just having that data is really, really valuable to help not only educate the market, but also help agencies and advertisers as they're trying to plan and buy and and figure out what's happening right now as all of the viewership is shifting because it's happening so quickly. And I think our industry, we don't really have the, you know, standardization in measurement, as an example, or or just any level of standardization across the different services. And so I think right now when agencies and advertisers are looking towards um, more holistic measurement, you know, often the manufacturers are able to provide at least a view within their ecosystem. Yeah, so it's weird. You kind of define your role, I guess, within the fragmentation landscape mm. as kind of plugging a gap for agencies. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, we see ourselves as really bridging that silo. Um, I think there's always been that that holy grail of understanding true reach and frequency across, you know, whether it's linear TV and other channels, but I think especially as it relates to TV viewership, as users, uh, as consumers are shifting between linear viewership to streaming um, and within streaming, there's, you know, the subscription platforms, the ad funded platforms, that fragmentation is makes it really difficult for brands to understand who they should be reaching, how they can reach them. So I think, you know, we really see ourselves as providing a holistic view and being able to bridge those gaps and, and help those, those agencies and advertisers really understand what's happening, um, where their audiences are, and then effectively how best to reach them in an effective way. Is there anything that you guys do specifically that kind of can influence behaviors or you know I mean like the the power to have that end-to-end means that you can kind of funnel content in different ways or or just play around with how audiences are actually viewing like is is that something that you guys talk about and kind of can feed into? So I'd say where we're really leaning into at the moment is the data. So we have really robust, unique data that's only available to us. Um, And we feel as though this is where we can add the most value to advertisers and agencies, but also just to the ecosystem. You know, having that really holistic view of the modern day TV viewer. And the way we do that is through our um, deterministic ACR technology, which stands for automatic content recognition, which I'm sure, you know, most people um, would understand. But I guess for anyone that's a bit new to it, it's it's really, you know, the first thing I would say with, with ACR is that not all ACR technology works in the same way. So that's really important to call out. So what I'm kind of referencing now is how it works at Samsung. But at Samsung, we deploy ACR on opted-in devices only in a GDPR compliant way. And the technology itself, what it does is it captures what's happening on that screen and it creates a digital fingerprint, which is then used to match against a reference library. So using this data, that's how we think we can really add value. So helping 
brands understand how Samsung TV users are watching TV, whether they're watching linear or streaming. Um, we can see whether they're gaming, what kind of games they're playing. We can understand if they've been exposed to an ad or not. And I think it's um, that data that that makes it really unique. On the on the data and measurement debate, yeah. I mean, I've every every podcast I've done has has touched on that. Obviously, it's the the biggest kind of issue that's in the TV ad mm-hmm. space. What's your 10 cents on on kind of the shortfalls and, and what work needs to be done in order to, I mean, you talked earlier about standardization. Is that something that you think is the right way forward to have a standardized system? Or can we have multiple? Like, where do you think the shortcomings kind of are in, in this space? I mean, definitely it makes it really challenging for agencies and advertisers without some level of standardization. Um, you know, they have to spend a lot of efforts trying to deduplicate numbers, trying to understand and match methodologies. So I do think that as an industry, for us to really kind of grow and start to see true shifts in spend that reflect what we're seeing from a viewership standpoint, we need to have a common currency that we can all speak to. So I do think that that's really important. Right now, I would say, you know, three things that are really important to us, but also three things that we're personally really um, proud of that I think was important in the absence of standardization right now is scale. I think having provider that has scale is really, really important. So, you know, the, the bigger the data pool, the, the more you're able to segment that to better understand those audiences in a really statistical relevant way. So, you know, as I mentioned, we're really proud to have that large footprint that offers those agencies and advertisers like unrivaled scale so, so that they can really understand you know, the insights and, and use that for better targeting and measurement. The second area that I think when it comes to data that we should really be considered, that we should really think about, especially in Europe here, is privacy. And this is another area that's a huge, huge focus for Samsung. Privacy is at the heart of what we do. And, you know, at the end of the day, we are first and foremost a manufacturer. So our relationship with the consumer is going to be paramount. But when it comes to privacy, I think a lot of players in the industry and, and what we're focused on is ensuring that a user understands what data we use, how we use it, um, and that they have full control to make that choice. So again, with Samsung, our users um, are never opted in by default. They have to actively opt in in order for us to use their data. And we're really, really take pride in using simple languages so that we're not bamboozling them or anything like that. But so that's something that we're really proud of. And I'd say the other thing that we do too is like having the privacy choices app. We're one of the first TV manufacturers to do this. So the app itself lives on the main menu of the TV. And so a user can effectively access that at any time and just change their preference. So they're, they're the couple of things that we would think about. And then I think the, the last thing is methodology. So again, in absence of standardization of common currency, we can all look to understanding that methodology is going to be really critical because, you know, the way that someone reports on reach or, you know, um, how an ad is exposed is going to be different. So, you know, again, methodology is really important for us. You know, what makes us unique is we were recently audited by RSMB and um, we received the gold standard, which we're really proud of. But um, I, I would say that, again, without the industry working towards some level of common language, common currency, they're three things that I think, you know, is top of mind for us and we hope would also be top of mind for for advertisers and agencies that's looking to use data in this way. It was really interesting what you were talking about on the privacy 
side mm. and just in terms of that app and kind mm. of the consent element. I, I mean, to be really honest, like as a consumer of content of going on my smart TV, I, I don't know how aware I feel like I am of those mm. consent choices. And I don't think a lot of other people would be either when you're outside of the industry anyway. Yeah. Like, are there more improvements? I feel like, in my opinion at least, there's more an extra step that could be taken. So people are really aware when they're watching something or consent on a smart TV, what they're getting in for. I don't know. Yeah. That's just my view as someone that would turn on their TV and probably not be aware, mm-hmm. even if I had consented. No, I completely agree with that. And, and we recognize that too. I think there's definitely more to be done. And I think as an industry, there is more that we could do to educate consumers. So having that conversation more upfront, um, you know, making it more prominent. In terms of what we're trying to do, you know, when you buy a TV and you set it up right outside of the box, nothing is, um, you have to like, as I mentioned, you've got to actively click to opt in. And so you're really prompted to um, understand that to, to, uh, to opt in. So we, we follow a lot of these rules and we take the most conservative approach as it relates to GDPR, et cetera. And so instead of having like an easy way for people to just like, hey, skip, let's move on, like we really actively try and get people to, to um, consent. And then the other thing that we do, for instance, um, on Samsung TV Plus is a good example. We were one of the first CTV publishers to implement a consent management platform. We worked with OneTrust, who's an industry leader, um, to do this, and we follow the IAB's transparency consent framework. But for instance, with that, to your point, Hannah, I think sometimes it's easy for someone to just click accept and move on. But what we do is we actually prompt them every six months as a reminder. So, you know, they may have been more informed during that time or they may want to revisit that decision. Um, I think you're right, there's more that can be done. But I think right now they're the actions we're taking to try and make at least it as prominent as possible so that um, users can be aware of the choices that they're making. I kind of want to move us slightly away. Um, yeah. That was a terrible segue. I don't know <laughs> why I was doing that. Um, terrible journalist. I wanted to kind of talk to you about the kind of boom and ad-funded services. Now, obviously, yeah. Netflix joining the game, Disney are introducing ads, and just it seems like every streamer that is launching now, just the ad-free option is there. And obviously, mm-hmm. partnering with a manufacturer like Samsung is a key way to kind of execute a lot of those kind of um, ad-funded tiers. What's kind of your role in that and, and how, how is Samsung Ads kind of building those relationships and trying to make that work for their audiences or their, their viewers? I mean, there's so many facets to this. Personally, I have been so interested and excited just watching how quickly the industry is changing. You know, to your point, we've heard the news about Disney and Netflix, which I think is great. And if I think about where we're at in Europe right now, I don't think we're as mature as the US. But if we look to the US, we can really see what's about to come. Personally, I think a lot of it's been driven by consumer behaviour. You know, we've heard a lot about you know spending caps and and consumers reaching that 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 threshold of how much they're willing to spend on subscription services. We commissioned a study with Ipsos at the end of last year, and we saw 
41% of respondents saying that they were already paying more than they would like for streaming services. And then at the same time, we saw 56% of them were willing to watch ads in order to, to watch free content. So it's not just us, you know, I'm sure you saw recently Comcast reported 80% of their consumers prefer ad-supported service over a high cost. So I think consumers are driving the trend and then at the same time, um, you know, I think more so now than we had before, ad-funded platforms have more quality content. And so I think that that's really driving interest from the consumers as well. I think in terms of how we're hoping to help in this space, it's twofold. One, as I mentioned earlier, we have Samsung TV+. Plus, So it's really important for us to continue to make investments on quality content for the consumer. If I look at the last 18 months, we already have um, content uh, across Europe with names like household names like the BBC, ITV, CNN. Um, so that's really exciting for our consumers. And then as we look to how we can support the, the boom um, and help other um, ad-funded services um, come on board, it's really around leveraging our ad formats. So being directly on the TV, understanding how we can reach the audiences that are relevant to them, using that ACR data to really understand the insights behind those consumers and then leveraging that for targeting and measurement. So doing things that allows these new apps to drive new users um, and then to retain them and, and drive, content, drive them to watching their content. Yeah, on ad formats, are you seeing mm. a different way of advertising and building ads around specifically these services it is it how is how is the shift on that yeah I think I mean for us for instance we have you know these ad formats that are available directly on the TV so as an example if I look at our new 2022 TV models we've completely re redesigned the the home page and a lot of this is around the insight that there is just so much choice at the moment that consumers are being really overwhelmed. So we're, you know, we're seeing this paradox of choice. They've got infinite options and now they have decision paralysis. So when we think about the way that we're building products, both just the UI as well as ad products, it's really focused, at least on our TV screens, home screens, um, focused around discoverability. So how do we help both advertisers as well as consumers find the right content or find the right consumers to watch that content? Um, so if I think about how it's changed, you know, our 22 home format is a lot more prominent, but it also has access to a lot more data that we can now use to target those users. It feels a lot more native as well. So I would say the types of advertisers that we allow on this format is definitely more native um, because that's you know, when an ad format is so prominent, we want to respect that consumer experience. And so we're a lot more protective about, you know, who we put on there so we don't damage that consumer experience. But at the same time, because it's so prominent, it's really impactful. And we've run a couple of tests earlier on this year, and we're seeing some really, really positive and strong results just as a result of that um, of that strategy. Do, do you have any, like, case studies or any chairs? So, Nothing that we can share as yet, but um, we we have initial initial tests within our alpha have seen have shown that in general the um, engagement with this more prominent masthead format um, is a lot higher than um, previous formats that, that, that we've had. Um, but I also think it's it's just a great opportunity now that 
that ad experience is really blurring into that content discoverability experience. You know, as I said, we know that that users are getting really overwhelmed. That Ipsos study I mentioned, we saw 79% of those users, they're really looking to smart TVs for um, discoverability, for content recommendation. And so what we're starting to find is for a consumer, whether it's an ad or um, us using ACR data to recommend content, it's still a form of recommendation. And we're finding that that's been working really, really well. But, um, you know, we'll hopefully have some case studies on the new format later on this year that we can share. So when does that roll out? From, from this year, the new Samsung TVs will have this on the homepage. Yeah, so 22 TVs right now have um, on the homepage have a masthead already, Mm -hmm. Um, but we've just been testing um, initial alpha tests in terms of the ad side of it, and we we hope to roll that out more broadly later this year. So just so I can like Mm. visualize in my mind the homepage, so the masthead is set at the top, and that would have recommendations of shows, but and then is there ads integrated onto that masthead? So the masthead, that one masthead is the ad itself. Um, so it's just okay. one ad right at the top. In terms of recommendations, it's like mm-hmm. the rows below. So we'll have, you know, in terms of um, different show content that would be below. So then the masthead would then reflect what is being recommended to you on your discoverability. So the masthead itself is an ad format. So that one is is available for advertisers um, only. And then the recommendations happen below in the tiles. Mm. How else? Are, how else is Samsung trying to help people with that discoverability? Because I feel like we all know the feeling. And to be honest, I'm just watching so much less TV now because I just can't. I can't be bothered. I don't know about you. How are you kind of? How are you helping that pathway? No, definitely. And I hear, you know, that reminded me, there's this stat that I read last year, now commissioned a study, and they showed that 49% of Brits spent so long deciding what to watch that they ended up watching nothing at all. I'm Um, that person. I'm that person too. I've spent too much time just scrolling and then I'm like, oh, it's bedtime. (laughs) But no, it's a a big issue. And, and, you know, we, we know, especially as you were saying earlier, we're preparing for this boom in more ad funded apps coming. So this um, area is going to become more crowded and more choice. So, you know, for us, it's really leaning into where our strengths are. So one of that is looking at our ACR technology. How do we, as a manufacturer, not as not as an um, ad provider, but as a manufacturer, how do we use that data to better inform what people are watching and then recommend the right content? So that's one. Then from an advertising standpoint, um, you know, working more closely with with, um, advertisers and agencies to really help them understand who their audiences are and how do we find similar audiences for them to reach. So there's a couple of things that we're working on on the ad side um, that will help with that and and hopefully we can share more details on that um, later on this year. Well, thank you so much. It was so lovely chatting to you and just talking all through Samsung Ads. Thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful. Well, you've made it to the end of the podcast. Well done. If you're interested in more Future of TV content, funny enough, we have a hub on the drum.com called The Future of TV. Please check in, subscribe to our newsletter, like, comment, subscribe, do it all. Goodbye.